Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and the Knicks played basketball. Not not the big Knicks, not Kemba Walker yet, but we got to see our first look at the, some of the Knicks' new rookies in Summer League Game 1. They lose 89-79 to to the Toronto Raptors. But Gavin, I think I think we'll have plenty to talk about as far as the Knicks are concerned with this game. Oh yeah, Jericho Sims, man. The revolution is on. Will he start at center for the Knicks this year? Probably not, but he looked really, really good. And we also talked steps forward from Obi Toppin, IQ running the point. And some up and down um, debuts from from some of the Knicks' other picks, including Quentin Grimes and Miles McBride. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here. I am the editor in chief of Knicks Psych the Strickland, and he is Gavin Shaw. A play-by-play man by day and Knicks podcaster, in this case also by day, but uh, we like to say by night. And we are breaking down the first summer league game for the Knicks. Uh, they lose 89-79 to to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I, I want to say wins don't matter in summer league, but it seems like the Knicks never do that well in summer league. Like, they're never in contention for the summer league title or whatever, so... One of these days, I do want to see them start winning some games, but mostly these games are just for evaluation. Uh, Gavin, where, where do you stand on summer league wins and losses? Like, I I understand they don't mean anything, but I still I still find myself rooting pretty hard for the comeback. Like the Knicks, the Knicks were down by a pretty pretty hefty amount at one point in this game. Like it was getting towards twenty points, or maybe it eclipsed twenty points, and then they did make a little mini comeback towards the end, and then the Raptors just like. The, the Raptors G League team, much like their pro team, was just really good at hitting three-pointers down the stretch, and they were able to just kind of put the Knicks away again. But I, I don't know. What it, what do you think? Like, do you Can you bring yourself to care about wins and losses in Summer League, or is it, like, all about evaluation? I think I, I, think I only care in that I want to see them play as many games as possible, and they need to keep winning to do that. Uh, outside of that, on a game-to-game basis, I don't know. I think I kind of lock in more so on individuals and – I, my only frustration comes in that, I, I mean, maybe this was with Kevin Knox, but the Knicks were actually, I think, the third favorite, according to Vegas, to win all of Summer League. And they have a team that on paper should translate very well to Summer League play, I think, just with how intense they are defensively and um, the experience they have with IQ and OB. But at the same time, I mean, we, we said it, the last two drafts have been really good and really deep. So a lot of teams have some nice players. Even a team like the Raptors that until this year had not picked very high in recent memory. So it, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough sledding game in and game out. And I thought Fran Fraschill on the broadcast had a good point. You need really, really high level uh, point guard play to excel in summer league. And I thought Emmanuel quickly had sort of a sort of a mixed bag in that respect on the night. Alex, if, if we want to start right there or, or, or where do you want to start? Because I don't know. I thought Obi Toppin showed some flashes of after kind of a slow start to this game, really 
putting in the work to become the type of player he, he needs to play for the Knicks this year, which is more of like a hybrid wing slash post guy than, than a straight up around the basket dude that he was last season. And then of course, Jericho Sims seeming like a revelation out of nowhere. So I'm, I'm, I'm down to start wherever you want out of all those. Yeah, we could talk about quickly. I mean, that was clearly the biggest experiment that the Knicks were rolling with in this one. And they sort of said so afterwards as well, you know, that like they wanted to give quickly some minutes at the one in this game to help him get better there, which is sort of surprising to be completely honest. I mean, I I thought that the plan based off free agency and how that all went down was that he was going to be, uh, you know, mostly a two guard this year and playing off of Derrick Rose probably again, uh, considering now the Knicks have Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose both on the team that can man the one for, even if they only played 24 minutes a piece, I mean, they, they can cover the entire span of point guard minutes just themselves. So, uh, but it, it was, I think a worthwhile experiment. I mean, he had, he had some good, some bad moments, but I think, you know, I think the good outweighed the bad. He ends up with eight assists for the game. Uh, he kind of struggled shooting the ball. He only shot five of 17, two of 11 from three, uh, ended up with 15 points. And, but the eight assists, like, you know, I, I thought that he, he had some really good reads to find his teammates and, you know, he had some really nice lobs to Jericho Sims, who we'll talk about in a minute, um, which I think bodes really well for, you know, his potential if he gets some minutes with Mitch or uh, I guess Nerlens, if, if Nerlens can catch the lobs that day. But, you know, I think that it was, you know, it was a good performance from him overall at point guard. I I don't know if I would want him there at you know, full time, but I, I think that there's something to be said for working those skills up so that then in lineups with Derrick Rose, he can handle the ball some and Rose can play a little bit off ball to give him like some rest on the court, so to speak. Um, the other thing is, I, I think as much improvement as we saw from like Quickly's ability to sort of run an offense, I didn't really see much in the way of improvement as far as getting to the basket in this game. And I think that was part of why he was having a little bit of a hard time generating offense for himself was he just was not getting to the cup. Um, and that that's something he needs to work on and, you know, continue to work on, I guess like that's something that just hasn't, hasn't quite come through yet uh, through this half a summer of work so far. So I hope that's something he continues working on, or maybe even tries to push a little more, in these subsequent summer league games, including one literally today, the, the Knicks got bumped up to a, a, I assume, a fifth game for the regular season. The Pacers had some issues with COVID on Sunday, weren't able to play. And so the game got rescheduled for today, Monday at, at two o'clock, uh, but against the Knicks instead of the Wizards, I think it was supposed to be. So that'll be interesting to see that the Knicks get an extra game out of all this. But yeah, I, that's where I'm at with quickly. Like, I, I thought it was a good outing. Um, I don't think it was. I, I think that there were plenty of times last year and, you know, maybe it's easy to forget because he didn't get that many minutes at the point after Rose got picked up and they kept, for whatever reason, playing out for Peyton. But, um, you know, there, there were times last year where quickly had games like this where he ran the point pretty admirably and had some good vision, um, you know, out of like pick and roll and stuff and, and was setting teammates up and had a couple of like five to I, th- I think his highest was like eight assists in the in the NBA as well last year. So, you know, I I don't think this was totally out of left field or anything, but I, I thought he did a pretty good job running the point. But what do you think about it? 
Yeah, I thought it was a mixed bag for sure. He he definitely his first step actually looked pretty good to me, and he was consistently beating defenders off of a standstill, which is something that he struggled with at the beginning of last year. And then as the season went on, I felt like he got better and better and better at it, and leveraging the fact that they have to guard him a couple of feet behind the three point line. My issue is mostly with what he did from there. He has his ability to gain that initial separation, but just doesn't really have that explosion as a ball handler to be like, all right, I, you, you gave me an inch of daylight. I'm getting all the way to the basket for an open layup. And that's going to make things tough on him for his entire career. I mean, it's obviously, it, it's a capacity that he has the opportunity to continue to improve. You can always get stronger. You can always get bulkier in the upper body, but it's really going to be on how well can he finish through contests and, and what kind of reads can he make when he beats that first guy and defenses close in on him. And in that sense, I thought he was really good. I mean, he, he could have pretty easily had 13 or 14 assists in the game. I, I was counting all the missed shots off his pass. Like Grimes was was obviously not very good from distance. Obi, who ended up ultimately having a really good game, missed his first three shots that were all pretty wide open after IQ got into the middle of the lane and drew a couple of defenders. And, and, and by and large, I thought in those situations, he was making the right reads. There were a couple of exceptions. There was a fast break in the third quarter where he had Obi wide open for a lob. And, and I feel like, I know we always said this last year, but Obi would kind of get the Mitch treatment where he'd have a wide open dunk and, and the point guard would be like, I, I, I see you running, but I could also throw it behind my back to the corner to Wayne Selden to, to try and get a, a slightly contested three-pointer. Um, so a couple of poor decisions, but as the game went along, I, I thought IQ got more and more comfortable at that point guard spot, and, and we started to see some real flashes for him. He worked really, really well in the pick and roll with Jericho Sims getting him one lob for a dunk, but then even earlier in the game, I thought this was actually, or, or excuse me, two lobs for dunks, but earlier in the game, I thought this was even a better pass um, when Sims, on it was on the right wing, third quarter, slipped a screen and... Uh, IQ did a really good job just throwing him a pass that allowed Sims to keep the ball high above his head and, and finish in the lane. And so often on those plays, like as a point guard, your instinct is to throw like that little pocket pass and, and, and toss it from the hip. But you, you got to get it high to that big to make life, especially an inexperienced big like Jericho Sims, to, to allow him to have that easy finish. And it was really good ball placement by IQ. And we saw a little bit more similar point guarding in the fourth when I don't know if you remember Obi Toppin, I forgot what the guard's name was for Toronto. It was the guy who went to Cornell, and he he had switched on to Obi. I, I thought this was actually I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it might have been a little bit of tactical genius for Obi because the guy made a three on Obi's face, and, and Obi kind of like tapped him on the butt on the way up the court to kind of say nice three. But I think by doing that, he almost kept him guarding him. So this is my conspiracy theory that Obi's a, a genius competitor. And then Obi, um, IQ waves him over. Obi gets a post up, immediate uh, pivot off the left foot into a little jump hook, easy bucket. And, and then and then as IQ's passing really got rolling, it, it seemed like that, that helped him gain more confidence. And he had his play of the game really late where he lost Malachi Flynn off a screen. Um, and then he had a little hezzy, Got the body bump on Malachi, kind of the classic quickly move, and then sped to the bucket and one finish around the hoop. Capped that off with a couple of big threes. Um, so it was a really good finish. I have a feeling he's going to shoot a lot better going on. Our guy, Mark Berman, I saw he had a whole article saying this proves why Emmanuel quickly is not a point guard. That that was not at all my takeaway, Alex. I, I thought there were some really good moments here. And I think to your point, even though the Knicks have sort of gotten saturated at the point guard position for agency. And it's, it's kind of unlikely that IQ is the primary guy on the ball pending injuries, which, which are a very real possibility with Kemba Walker and Derek Rose. I, I think it still makes as much sense, uh, excuse me, a lot of sense 
to really stretch his role in summer league. And we're seeing them do the same thing with Obi where you want summer league just because the competition isn't as good as it's going to be in the NBA. You want guys to be playing the hardest possible version of their roles at the next level. So IQ is getting as many reps as possible on the ball as a passer, as a shooter operating off of screens. And that will benefit him the one, two to three, four times a game that he gets that in the NBA. But Alex, we are running a little bit long. So let's, take our first break and tell people about one of our favorite new sponsors in Stat Hero. Did you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really all that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. That's why we're introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. Your name, your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineup ahead of time. No one else does that. I- I've-, I- I've really gotten into the idea of Stat Hero of late. And that's just because I've had so much frustration playing daily fantasy sports. I I always know like I can put as much time and thought into it as I want and feel like whether it's football or basketball, I'm coming into it with a great lineup. And yet I know there's someone with a ton of money who's just flooding the system with hundreds and hundreds of lineups. And, And I could be as good as I want. Maybe I'll win every once in a while, but the odds are just not in my favor. That's just not the case with Stat Hero. You're in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be. One on one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. You can sign up for free. And right now you can get three times back on your first play. That's giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. Are we back? Segment two on locked on Knicks. Alex, I was I was talking about how the Knicks have really built into IQ's game, or, or at least his, his role in Summer League, all, all these mechanisms to make him better, I really feel pretty strongly that they were doing the same thing with Obi. And I think we we finally, maybe we would have gotten this last Summer League if there was one, but it, it feels like we're finally getting the vision the Knicks had for him when they took him at eighth. And, and that's a guy who can play with a lot of flexibility, can get things done inside, outside, a little bit of a mid-range game. It, it was fun to s- basically see everything I assume he's been working on this offseason all in one game. Yeah, I mean, he he put together a really complete effort, um, it, which was, I mean, there were two really good performances on the other side too in Malachi Flynn and Scotty Barnes. Uh, but I thought Obi arguably stole the show, uh, which, you know, maybe you could argue, I mean, Flynn is a pretty older second-year player too, so... You know, I guess it's not to say that that Obi was the only like grandpa out there, but you know, as far as second year players go, Obi is I think twenty three, going on twenty four right now. So he should, in theory, do really well against this level of competition. And but th- this was really like the first time that we got to see, to your point, the what we were expecting last year. You know, like the the NBA ready player that seems you know to be sort of uh in a in a league lesser than his uh by being in summer league you know what i mean like he he seemed like he was an nba player playing against summer leaguers and that's really encouraging um you know obviously last year we were talking about uh, dating back to preseason i there was an an old uh 
like thread, I guess, like uh, where I tweeted from the Strickland, like, oh, what are our predictions for free agency? Like prior to last year's free agency. And so many people had been like, trade Randall, trade Randall, blah, 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 which now it seems super silly in, in retrospect, but we were definitely all thinking that at the time. And the uh, one of the big things other than that was also, you know, Obi's NBA ready, get him out there. You know, this guy should be starting, blah, blah, blah. And obviously we didn't see that play out throughout last year. Most of it, you know, he didn't seem NBA ready for a good portion of the season, but there was a, a good point kind of brought up by, uh, I think Fran, Fisch- Fran Fraschilla said it at one point during the broadcast, which was like, you know, that this is a valuable experience for these players to be able to come and sort of get their confidence up and see how they stack up against other guys that, you know, just came into the league and whatever. And, I, you know, Obi never got that last year, which maybe had something to do with it. I mean, I'm not going to say it was everything. It's not like summer league necessarily predicts anything or else Kevin Knox would be a superstar at this point, but you know, it, sometimes I think Summer League gives these guys that jolt of confidence going into their first season to be like, yes, I belong here. You know, I, I'm an NBA player and, you know, I just proved it against a whole bunch of guys that, you know, either just were drafted as well or, you know, are fighting for a spot in the league. Like, I'm definitely better than them. And it was one of those performances for Obi. Like, final stat line, 24 points, 8 rebounds, 1 steal, 1 block, uh, 10 to 21 shooting, only shot two of 10 from three. So actually, if you take those three point attempts away, he was eight of 11 from the field otherwise. And I mean, he did such a a good variety of things on both sides of the ball. Like he was, I think, pretty switchy on defense, which was, a, a, you know, again, another thing that sort of surprised us last year, but carried over into summer league here where he seemed pretty comfortable getting out to the perimeter. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that he had like a defensive lockdown game or anything like Again, to reference Scotty Barnes on the other side, I thought, I mean, he's he's going to be a two-way stud, like, period. He he had a great defensive game. Uh, I wouldn't put Obi on that category, but I think that Obi had a really solid defensive game uh, and showed that he can switch around a little bit and, you know, it isn't totally lost when he gets on the perimeter against a perimeter player, which is more than we ever could have asked for based off what we thought before uh he was you know starting in the nba and then got to play small ball center for a good amount of it which was really solid too there was there were times where they had wayne selden out there as the the four man i guess uh they were doing it was like quickly uh mcbride and then grimes uh in some cases and and then selden and Toppin. it was a, a pretty interesting lineup that was fun to watch out there um but yeah, other than that, like, I, I just, I liked Obi's game a lot. You know, I, I think the only thing that was lacking was more shot making from three, which hopefully that'll come with time. Uh, it seemed like, it seemed like the whole Knicks team was kind of struggling from three in this game, which might just be a, a product of rust and, or maybe first game jitters or whatever. But like up and down the roster, the only person that shot somewhat respectable from three was Grimes, which was three of eight. And he had a pretty bad shooting night in general, uh, other than that three of eight from three. So like Obi was two of 10 quick lose two of 11 Selden. Not that he matters much was O of three McBride was O of four Sims was O of one Vildoza was O of three from three. So like not a great three point shooting game up and down the board for the Knicks. So I'm not going to read too much into the percentages there, but 
the process was great for Obi. Like at one point, uh, he got a mismatch in transition, like off of a made bucket on the other end. And it props to quickly for being able to see it right away. But like, Obi posted up immediately, got like a really nice, easy uh, little back down, uh, you know, baby hook for a basket there. Uh, he was cutting to the hoop, which was nice. He, you know, was uh, popping out for three. You know, it, it was just, it was a really complete effort. I really enjoyed what I saw from him. And granted, I don't think that, well, okay, it's tough to say for sure if any of the concerns about his strength level can be alleviated just yet. Like, I'll need to see him against, I, I don't know who, like, the NBA-sized beast of Summer League is, you know, that's, like, as big as a, you know, as a high-level NBA center in Summer League right now. Maybe there isn't one. I, yeah, I don't maybe, know. Maybe Isaiah Stewart. Under yeah, maybe Isaiah Stewart. That might be a good matchup for him. And they do face the Pistons. So I'll need to see him against a big body like that to really make a decision about whether his, you know, his strength level and stuff have gotten up at all. But I liked what I saw from him in this matchup, and I certainly liked the Knicks rolling the dice a little bit and rolling him out there as a small ball five for stretches. Yeah, no, that was that was certainly encouraging, Alex. I, I have some thoughts I want to tack on on Obi, but maybe maybe we should tell people about our presumptive. To be clear, we're not, we can't be a hundred percent sure. Um, Obi summer diet plan to get in shape. Do, do you think it was just a hundred percent built bars? It's entirely possible, you know, when I want to add strength, I certainly eat built bars. So uh, maybe, maybe Obi does as well. I mean, they uh, also the U.S. track and field team was eating built bars the whole time and they got quite a few medals in Tokyo uh, and built bar. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the most delicious protein bar out there. They have tons of delicious flavors by my count. They have 10 full time flavors right now, of course, highlighted by my favorites, coconut and cookies and cream. But you know what? Let me throw another another favorite out there. You know, I, I give lots of shine to coconut and cookies and cream. How about salted caramel? Salted caramel is a really great flavor. Built Bars are nice and chewy on the inside by nature. So the caramel flavors just fit right into that seamlessly. It tastes so good, coated in 100% chocolate. It tastes just like a candy bar. And honestly, is a joy to eat, unlike so many of the other protein bars out there. But even better than a lot of the protein bars out there, Built Bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein. So that's a ton of bang for your buck and something that's only about as big as a Snickers bar. The calories are only from 130 to 180 per bar, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So not a lot of junky stats there, just solid, efficient 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars have like 67% true shooting at least. They're, they're very, very efficient. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, the NFL coming up, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game 
as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Like my Mets blowing it, blowing the lead in the NL East and uh, probably working their way out of the playoffs right now. Good job, Mets. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code Locked On. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code Locked On at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, now that we got that out of the way, Gavin, how about some Obi Toppin thoughts? What, what is your rebuttal to my, my Obi Toppin monologue there? You were dead wrong. No, um, I, I, I agree with most of what you said. Um, I, I was a little concerned. Like, I think it was the one of the first couple plays of the game. You had a pump fake uh, drive right to the basket, and it got blocked. And I was kind of like, oh, man, this this looks a lot like early last season. Not not great. He should he should be able to get some separation from these guys. And then pretty much from that point forward, it, it was absolutely not an issue because Obi looked like he belonged in a different league, got a steal, and had that, that gorgeous – transition slam I like the way like all game long he was really attacking passing lanes we, we got a we got a quick little flash of, of his passing ability on the offensive end which showed up at times especially early last year and then I felt as the season went on maybe not quite as much just because he didn't get as as many reps on the ball as early in the season when the Knicks were really trying to force feed him and, and, and try and basically make him look like a top 10 pick but drove baseline and I, I think this is where he can really leverage his athleticism when he doesn't generate a lot of room or along the baseline because he's just he's just not quick enough to to get clean separation. But then he's just so athletic he can kind of turn on a dime, float in midair, and has the strength to just kick out from under the basket to three as he did to Luca Vildoza for a wide open three pointer that Vildoza clanked. Um, and then a, another flash of something we we actually didn't get to see all of last year. Uh, this was during an interview with Fred Van Bleet, so you could you could barely see it on your screen. But Obi curling off a screen and, and hitting a a baseline jumper um, off balance on an out of bounds play that was that was shocking. That was basically antithetical to anything he could do last year. Like the level of skill and touch on that play, really really encouraging for his shot. Even though he didn't um, hit particularly well from three. As you noted, um, then the nice hustle to beat the halftime buzzer, go coast to coast, hit one in traffic. And and I really like that we saw the touch around the basket from Obi. Because I don't, Alex, I don't know if you remember, but flashing all the way back to his first summer league game against the Pistons, we were remarking like, God, I don't really know if this is sustainable, but it, it's kind of crazy how many like double pump hook shots he hits around the rim. And, and the thing is, you don't like that it has to be that difficult for him around the basket, but he genuinely has really good touch in there. He also had... Um, an and one hook shot that he promptly missed the free throw on off a really nice slip pass from Deuce McBride in traffic. So there, there were just these good little moments for him around the rim. And then I thought later in um, in the second half, you started to see the advancements in his game, the, the hook shot we both mentioned, and then a baseline catch ripped through into a layup to take advantage of a center being Madsen and where Obi was just too quick. That, that's the vision for Obi playing the five. It's that he can guard, stay out on the perimeter. And if your lumbering big guy tries to stick with him, he, he's going to get toasted because Obi's just too quick and just too good of a finisher around the basket. And, and, and then probably his play of the game came fairly late in the fourth quarter. We caught it on the wing. Um, the, I think the Raptors, they were either in rotation or they were playing a zone, but there was a gap and Obi was just very decisive last year. A lot of times if he'd have an open lane, we'd see him kind of hesitate to be like, am I supposed to do a dribble handoff here? Am I supposed to throw it back to Julius? Am I supposed to throw it back to IQ? No hesitancy, attack the gap, nifty finish, um, through two defenders and kind of similar to Jericho Sims, Alex, who I think we're, we're going to touch on next. 
really leveraging his athleticism, the ability to hang and float around the rim. It's just a massive, massive asset in the NBA, but it's only useful. Like we see guys like Derek Jones Jr. who can jump as high as pretty much anyone in the world, but because he's not strong enough to take body contact and still finish, it's almost an irrelevant skill. OB, at least on the summer league level, getting better at, at taking hits through traffic and showing off that touch around the rim. So I thought a really impressive game for him. Like you, I, I want to see him continue to shoot better from three and, and really make that that inside-outside dream, which, again, is, is the only way he's he's really justified as an, a top-ten pick come to fruition. But, Alex, let's talk about Jericho Sims. Because to me, he was the single most pleasant surprise in this game, and, and it wasn't really close. Um, a more advanced game, both offensively and defensively, than what I expected a- after talking to Stacy and PD about him. But w- what was your take uh, on this debut for the Texas product? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I mean, and granted, so like I was talking about it a little bit in like the Strickland slack and I was like, he's a lot more polished than I thought he was going to be. And then someone pointed out to me like, yeah, he's but he's like 22. Like he should be this polished, you know, in theory. And it's like, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Like he's he is on the older end, even though it feels like the Knicks took him and he was like this like raw prospect, I guess, like. Again, Fran Fischelli, he he did a pretty good job on the broadcast yesterday, by the way. Like, shouts to him. Like, I, I enjoyed his commentary quite a bit. Um, but he made a good point of being like, um, you know, it, Sims didn't necessarily slip. He rose to even be drafted, period. Um, you know, the fact that he even, even managed to not end up just an undrafted free agent is a testament to the fact that he did a lot to improve his stock throughout the year. And I, I like him a lot. I mean, he's just like, effortlessly athletic. I mean, he, he got up for the one alley-oop from IQ and like, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he bonked his head on the rim uh, with how high he got. And it just like, it came so naturally to him. I saw that kind of that same athleticism when they, they released like the little practice video of him on Twitter the other day where he was doing like a drill where he was just, you know, contesting guys like one after the other, like going sort of in a circle around the paint. And he was he was jumping up there and he was getting up like two feet, barely trying. Like you could tell he was barely jumping and he was getting like two feet in the air. Um, so the guy is just a crazy athlete, but he's not like I, I don't know who to reference him to. Who's like who's like one of the one of the more athletic dudes that came in that was like super raw recently. I mean, I guess I was expecting him to be almost like what we thought Mitch was going to be. I yeah, guess that would be yeah yeah that that would be like the the reference there like. I thought that he was going to be what we thought Mitch was going to be. But of course, Mitch came in way more polished than we imagined as well. Um, but I, he played, I thought, really decisively. Like, he wasn't going crazy hacking on defense or anything. He was just doing a good job of, like, using that verticality to sort of wall off the paint. And, I mean, he's a big dude, too. I mean, he has a really big body. Um, so, you know, it's not even like he's he had the problem like with Mitch or like with Noel early on or like any or Noel currently where he can get like pushed around. He's, he's solid. He looks like he's built like a brick shit house. Um, and you know, then on offense, he set fantastic screens. I'm a huge fan of guys that set good, solid screens. And that's one thing that neither Mitch nor Noel really do. Taj does it pretty well he sets good screens and doesn't leak out too early or anything and lets lets the impact happen uh that's definitely a a strength of sims as well and it's just because he could take it because he's just such a 
such a huge body there uh, that, you know, nothing really seemed to phase him. Like he, he had some ones that probably were delivered a little more impact than what they looked like from the player that he was screening. And he just like, didn't move um, his ability to work in the pick and roll and get in there for those lob finishes. I thought was really good as well. Uh, his, his touch on the inside was really interesting uh, and something that is is going to be something to watch if it's just an anomaly or if it's a if it's a thing that he can actually do where you know he had I think one or two back down possessions where it ended in like a baby hook which I, I know is sort of like the thing that all big men are supposed to sort of know how to do but very few are actually good at anymore I don't think except for like the very best big men so I mean he made a couple of those and that was cool to see. I mean, I I wasn't really expecting that out of him. I was pretty much just expecting straight rim running. And then he had a little floater at one point that he hit. So that was cool too. I mean, I don't know. I I think I need to see like one or two more games of this before I'm ready to like anoint him like, oh yeah, this dude, like he's going to end up playing for the big Knicks for a good part of this year, even if he's on a two-way contract. I'm not quite ready to go there yet, but you know, I, I do think that there is, there's definitely potential that this guy could be a rotation player within the next few years, even if it's just like he becomes the heir apparent to Taj Gibson. And, you know, like if Taj finally decides to hang it up the end of this year or something, then Jericho comes in and he's the new, you know, maybe five, 10 minute per game player that becomes, you know, that can fill a higher minute role. If, if there's like injuries or something, maybe that's his eventual ceiling. But even if it is with the 58th pick, like, that's all you can really expect. I, I thought that he had a really great debut and honestly kind of stole the show. Um, he he was the guy that I kept keying in on on most possessions, being like, oh, what's Jericho going to do now? Because he was just pure excitement to me, Gavin. Yeah, I thought you, you framed it perfectly. Effortless athleticism. It's very, very similar with Mitch and, and, and Obi at points, but but more so those two bigs, where for certain guys, it just feels like the gravity is is turned down a little bit and you almost can't comprehend how someone that big can get up so effortlessly, but that that's what it looked like. And I, I, my favorite play from him the entire game was the one where he got the rebound around the basket. And there were, there were three Raptors there. And so many times in, in those situations, you see young bigs and, and to your point, he is 22, but it is a little bit of an OB case where he was injured both his sophomore and his junior season. His freshman year was playing behind Mo Bamba sophomore year behind Jackson Hayes. Uh, last year, splitting time with Kai Jones. So he didn't necessarily get the reps that you would typically see from a fourth-year player. And because of that, I don't know, I expect him to be a little more panicky, but he just trusted his athletic ability, and he got up so cleanly and so easily through traffic. And, and that's a real sign of athleticism when a guy from from a standstill can elevate around the basket despite a bunch of really big, really strong dudes kind of bumping him and stepping on his toes and stuff. I, I thought that was just kind of a crazy example of his athleticism because you see some guys who, like, with a runway can really get up and dunk, kind of like Obi. But the the Mitch type of athleticism to just, again, from, from two feet to be able to elevate like that, pretty crazy, pretty rare. Again, to your point, makes me bullish on him having some kind of NBA future. The other thing that makes me really bullish on him having some kind of NBA future is what we saw from him defensively. And that was that was a really pleasant surprise because that, that's a capacity where I was like, all right, this guy is just going to be raw as, as anything. And instead, I thought really nice positioning when, when he was in drop coverage on a pick and roll. And it if, if I really got flashes of what we saw from Mitch last year where I was shocked from Mitch. And I was like, wow, Mitch is 
is playing this perfectly. Like he's halfway between the guard, halfway between the ball handler. And, and that is probably the single biggest requirement to playing modern NBA basketball for a center in the NBA. Can you live in no man's land where you're taking away the floater and the layup from the point guard, but staying back just enough to contest a lob from a big? And that's why if you're the Knicks, and what we've seen from them, I mean, this offseason, they're investing big in that type of athleticism at the five spot. That's why they paid Nerlens Noel. That's why they're hopefully going to pay Mitchell Robinson. That's why they drafted Jericho Sims, because you need to be basically either either a defense, either a basketball genius like a Nikola Jokic and just have flawless positioning, or you got to be pretty close to that smarts-wise and be an all-world athlete. And I, time will tell if Jericho um, has just the basketball IQ and skill level to pull that off in an NBA game. But in in what Fran Fraschilla, I agree with you, great job on the broadcast by him, described as basically AAA baseball. Um, he looked pretty good doing that and sitting back and, and, and had another really good play later on where he just uses verticality. And he didn't get credited with the steal, but it led to a guy being like, oh, shoot, this, this 6'11 guy can jump 50 feet in the air. What am I going to do? And he, he just he threw it right away. So uh, great, great, great debut from Jericho Sims. Uh, Alex, I think we can we could probably wrap this up touching on... It, it feels so weird that we haven't talked about the guys who were, were two of the Knicks' first three picks this year or the guy who, who didn't play, who was the Knicks' second pick, but I'll, I'll leave it to you. Where, where do you want to begin the uh, wrap-up process? Grimes, McBride, or, or maybe maybe a little explanation on Rokas? Yeah, maybe I'll just... I'll get that out of the way real quick. Uh, so Rokas Jacobitis, uh, who... <laughs> I'm still waiting to hear his name said on the broadcast so I can know if I'm saying it correctly. Um, but I have this theory with him. I, I don't even know if we'll see him in today's game. It, he had said specifically during his pre-Summer League availability that he got permission from Barcelona, uh, his his club in Europe that he's going to be playing for this year, to play in three Summer League games. So that kind of made me think that the he's not going to play in the first now two games and will play in the final three pre or not preseason final three summer league games so that the Knicks can get the most look that they can at him, you know, in practice and everything else. So that's just my working theory with that. I guess we'll see if that's confirmed today uh, on whether he plays in the, the Indiana game that the Knicks have been uh, thrust into today or not. Um, but yeah, so nothing else to report on him. He he got a DNP uh, despite being there to practice. But as far as the other two guys, um, I don't know between between Grimes and McBride. I mean, I thought that they both kind of had, I guess, sort of similar ish games as far as overall like impact. Like I thought they both played pretty well on defense. McBride, especially, I thought was really dogged on defense and and showed that you know he's going to be a pest. He's going to stick with his guys. Uh, I definitely understand the Knicks giving him a a regular contract and not trying to put him into a two-way deal because I, I do think that he will find some playing time uh, as a defensive specialist, if nothing else, this year. But displayed a little bit of pull-up shooting, too. Uh, only hit from the mid-range. He went 0-4 from 3. But like I said earlier, I think everybody on the team just kind of had the jitters from 3 a little bit. So it wasn't entirely surprising to see him you know, miss those shots because it just... I, I think the three-point shot-making in many ways is like a a team flow thing. Like when they, when one guy starts hitting other guys start hitting and the confidence kind of rises like a, like a tide amongst the whole team. So hopefully we'll get to see one of those games where everybody on the Knicks, it, it would probably be quickly kind of setting the tone as far as that's concerned. 
you know, and then maybe the whole team will start making some threes because it, it does just weirdly seem to go that way in basketball sometimes. So um, not looking too much into his into his mishaps uh, as far as not being able to make shots, but the pull-up shooting is definitely real, which was what we saw from, you know, the pre-draft scouting and everything, especially once it started to look more serious, like the Knicks were going to go for him when we were, you know, looking more into his his film and stats and stuff. Um, I think that he's he's legit as far as that's concerned, and it'll, it'll be a skill that's going to work for him in the NBA. Uh, and then Grimes, I think, was pretty much exactly what we expected, you know, mostly a 3 and D guy. Um, I thought he filled that role well. He, uh, he went 3 of 8 from 3, so he was the only guy that you could reasonably say uh, did pretty well from three but i i mean honestly i was i was a little in and out on this game so i was i was trying to pay attention to him as much as i could but nothing that he did really stood out to me super hard um i don't know if you had any any moments gavin with with grimes that really like stood out to you but all in all i just kind of thought it was like a solid outing from him it was about what i expected and probably you know i don't think that they were asking him to overextend himself too much uh, I think that he was pretty much being asked to play the role that he'll be asked to play in the NBA. And if that's how he plays it, then great. Cause I, I thought he had a pretty good game on both sides of the ball uh, defending, you know, he had like one or two little lapses, but who doesn't in their first game against like NBA level competition. But other than that, I, I thought that he played pretty well on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you um, again, kind of, Highs and lows. The only the only thing was watching Grimes. It still it made me a little frustrated that the Knicks. I mean, obviously they could have if they had wanted to, they could have gotten Grimes at twenty one and taken a, another point guard at or, or someone else at at nineteen. But I, I was watching a bit of the Hawks Celtics game and seeing Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper at flashes. I I couldn't help but but lament a little bit that the Knicks didn't want to take more of a shot at that position because Grimes just sort of seems like who he is. Which which to be clear, I think is going to be a pretty useful. NBA player. I mean, clearly a high level shooter. His form looks gorgeous. Uh, Ariel Pacheco is pointing this out on, on the great thread that he posted on Twitter, but they ran the very first play of the game for him and, and just his footwork and the little hop he did to get into the shot coming off his screen was really, really advanced. He honestly, he reminded me of Danny Green a little bit, just in the way he moved and, and how much elevation he gets on his shot. And I like that he has, I mean, he basically is the quality that Reggie Bullock turned on in the second half of last year, which is if you're a shooting specialist, you just you cannot be afraid to fire up a lot of threes and a lot of high degree of difficulty threes. You, you can't really have any shame in you. And Grimes certainly didn't. Like he, he was getting the ball up pretty easily. Showed off a pretty nice pump fake. The issue is just, um, and this is something we we'd kind of heard about in his, his scouting report, but doesn't really have an in between game yet. Like the mid range game looked awkward, and he just seems so hesitant to try and go all the way to the basket. He did have really nice one, really nice throwback in transition, and, and I, I admired the pass. And at the same time, was it made me a little worried because I'm like, all right, this guy just doesn't want to get all the way to the rim and finish, which is sort of surprising for someone who was basically a five star point guard coming out of high school. You would think that that would really be an element of his game and maybe the athleticism is there and it's just something that he has to kind of rediscover but I I found that a tiny bit worrisome solid defense very aggressive um, had a really nice play in transition D that also gave me some Danny Green vibes so smart player nice player I I wish again I'll I'll withhold any judgment until obviously after his rookie season because we know summer league can be misleading but just a, a kind of a slot where I feel like 
the Knicks can you can find someone like Grimes in free agency. Maybe you can't find a, a Sharif Cooper or a Jalen Johnson in free agency. So sorry to sorry to be a bummer, but that, that was kind of my thought. McBride, on the other hand, I, I'm really really excited about. Obviously, um, definitely played with the verve that you expected defensively, like that 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 lived up to reputation for sure. And then I, I just love how confident he looks in the mid-range game. We, we were told that was part of his game. Uh, I'm a big Oklahoma fan, so I, I've watched a lot of McBride in the Big 12 the last couple of years. And I remember him just killing OU with that shot over and over and over again. And he just looks comfortable and confident. And, and at the two-guard spot, at his height, I, I just love that he has that in his bag, especially because someone like Quickly just doesn't really at this point in his career. So it, it's nice to see that because you, you just want some – some variation in your guards, especially if none of them are star scorers. You, you kind of like them to have different skill sets. So I, I really enjoy that. Um, the one downside with McBride is is a, is kind of similar to Grimes and quickly. And and it's again, it's frustrating that the Knicks didn't get someone who who sort of has this in their bag outside of obviously Kemba Walker. But just the lack of athleticism around the rim, because you can tell he's strong. And unlike Grimes, he's not really afraid to go up around the basket, but he doesn't really get up that quickly or that high. And I think that leads to some issues finishing against NBA length. And, and look, he's going to have a long career and a lot of chance to learn how to adjust with craft and, and using his body. Like someone like Kyle Lowry also like obviously isn't a, a freak athlete, but is always very, very good around the rim because he's so good at, at sort of like getting his ass into people and, and creating room that way. So hopefully that's, that's sort of a, a bit of veteran savviness that McBride can develop over time. But all in all, um, I thought encouraging start for him, and I'm, I'm just I'm just a fan of how he plays. But I don't know, Alex. That's that's pretty much all I had. Any any concluding thoughts to to wrap this one up? No, that's pretty much it. Because those was the only guys really of note that got playing time. Luca Vildoza played eight minutes. Um, I I didn't come away with a ton of thoughts on him. I thought that you know he he looked like he can play at this level of basketball certainly and is probably too good for it to a degree i mean i know that's saying something when he went oh three from three and those were like the only shots he took but had three assists in eight minutes like he's he's definitely a pro player um you know and and he was probably really tired considering he just came from playing in the olympics and everything like props to him for even showing up for summer league um but yeah i, I think phil is good other than that i mean the only other guys we saw get minutes you know there was a little bit of Justin Patton, which I completely forget what his minutes were even like. Uh, Wayne Selden, who we already kind of, I, actually, I don't know if we just lamented him before we started recording or if we did since we've been recording, but I, I don't see the point of playing him 22 minutes. Like, I guess it's just a favor at this point. He'll probably end up playing for the Westchester Knicks if I had to guess this year. Um, but like, he's an old journeyman, you know, never was in the NBA. So uh, I, I know maybe that's kind of jerky to say, but I just don't have any interest in seeing him play basketball for this team right now. Um, and that was pretty much it. Amir Sims got two minutes. So, you know, big time there too. Uh, that's a guy I'd maybe be interested in seeing some more time of though. Uh, Sims and, and Jock Bytus, I'm hoping to see going forward, but I guess we'll see as far as uh, they're concerned. And if, if some of the, the bigger names on the Knicks kind of get their minutes scaled back a little bit as we, get to the stage of summer league where you kind of just want to see uh, a little bit of everybody on the roster. Cause I'm sure there are plenty of guys on this team too, that have a very real chance of ending up in Westchester with the Knicks with the, the Westchester Knicks this year. So that's pretty much it. But on that note, yeah, I think we can wrap up. Uh, so this has been our summer league game one recap. We may actually be coming back tomorrow with a game two recap. Cause as we said, the Knicks uh, 
sort of unexpectedly wound up having another game today. They're going to be playing the Pacers at two o'clock. So we'll probably be back with uh, some reactions to that. And then they have three other games through the end of the week. So I believe the schedule is Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. They'll be playing. And and in uh, some of those games, they're going to be playing Kate Cunningham, uh, going to be playing uh, Evan Mobley, I believe. Uh, I think they're playing the Cavs. So pretty good competition there. Uh, some of the, the top picks in the draft after already seeing Scotty Barnes in his first game. So exciting week coming up. But until next time, this has been Locked on Knicks, and we will talk to you all soon. Peace.